Hello and welcome to the Road Trip Sports Podcast. My name is Harrison Crook and I'm joined as always by my co-host Oliver Gilmore. Ollie, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well, Harrison. We're doing something a bit different this week. We're talking about Penn State University, one of our first colleges we've gone in depth about. Yeah, it's going to be very exciting. I went and visited Penn State in 2011. Um, so I visited this college. I got to see the campus lifestyle. I got to watch a um, blue versus white spring game. So it was very, very exciting. And we're going to get into that down the track. But first, let's hit the socials. You can follow us on all of the socials. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Road Trip Sports Pod. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, Road Trip Sports Podcast is what you need to search. Uh, any inquiries you've got, if you'd like to get in touch with us, if you'd like to share your stories, your experiences, or ask us any questions you'd like for our mailbag, you can do that, Road Trip Sports Podcast at gmail.com, or you can slide into any of our DMs, and we're more than happy to hear from you. I suppose we'll start off with what's pretty fresh. Uh, NFL Week 2, I've always considered this a bit of a back-to-reality week. It's sort of... Uh, it gives you a false sense of security that week one, and it sort of brings everyone back down to earth. So, we saw your Dolphins get the win against the Ravens in a pretty dramatic fashion, mate. Oh, my heart is still racing. It's still beating hard. Um, between that and the Swans' nail-biting finish, I, I'm a very happy sports fan, but I'm a very, uh, very tired sports fan. It's been a huge week. We will touch on the... Swans v Geelong grand final preview, but I want to touch on this Dolphins game just quickly. Okay. I think that was the first time we've seen a resemblance of Alabama's tour. I think yeah, he was put in a position where he needed to use his arm to win the game, um, and he did it. Four touchdowns in the fourth quarter, was it? It was four touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Now, a lot of his detractors, and you saw this. Um, I don't know if you've seen the freezing cold takes uh, on all the socials where they post bad takes that are proven wrong. At halftime, so many people were messaging, they've got to put Teddy in, they've got to pull Tua. He's just, he hasn't got it today. I didn't think he was having that bad a first half, but boy, did he prove them wrong in the second half. Four touchdowns in the fourth quarter. That is unreal. This reminds me a lot of Joe Burrow last year. You surround him with two ridiculously good wide receivers. Um, you've got, obviously, Hill and Waddle now. They both go, they both go for 170-plus yards and two touchdowns on 11 receptions each. Um, and when you've got that good talent around them and around that young quarterback, it's basically, to a, you've just got to throw it to the right spot. They'll do the rest. But also, yeah. like, I feel like you're able to come back because you've got that superstar talent. You're not so much relying on the quarterback's arm for every single play. Like, let's run some gadget plays um, and keep the defense honest. Yeah, it was, a, it was a very strong performance from the team as a whole. I think that... Um, yeah, Hill had a huge impact. Water was great down the stretch. He made a series of great catches um, that set them up, including a there was a large one. Uh, I can't remember what drive it was, but he made like a 20, 30-yard scamper um, it, to begin one of those drives in the comeback. And, um, and of course, he made that catch at the end in the final touchdown. But it was just a great all-round performance. The defense probably fell asleep a little bit in the first half, but woke up and got some massive stops when they needed to shut down Lamar, specifically the fourth down stop at about midfield. I think that was the turning point of the game. And if Ravens get that, there's no way the Dolphins win. 
I think it's going to be an evolving season for the Dolphins. I think they're going to be tested on a number of levels. I think this was probably their first test that they had. Um, the Bills this week, which I'm sure you'll be eagerly watching as well. Yeah, that I, I think that our first test we passed. Um, our second test is going to be the hardest one yet. This is the one that uh, we failed every year. Um, if it, to bring it into school terms, yeah, that's just the test we can't get right. We keep having to repeat this course. Um, so hopefully. We can see a different result. However, the way the Bills are playing... In other news, um, Swans Vigil on Grand Final this weekend. We both entered the ballot as Swans members and were successful, believe it or not. So We've both got tickets. I've uh, I've sort of uh, weaned my way around this, but um, I'm actually receiving your ticket out of the goodness of your heart. You and are, unfortunately, I can't attend the game as I've got my own game uh, on that day, but... Um, you'll be receiving the ticket in exchange for um, the to cover the cost of the ticket and hopefully some Swans Champions merch. That would be very good for you, mate. You would be not only happy, but you'd probably... Uh, if you can get the win in your football, I think you'd be having a very solid weekend. I think that'd be a great weekend indeed. Well, let's get into it. We're going to talk more about, like we said, we're going to talk more about the grand final coming up. We've got a whole big segment previewing the big game. But first, there's been some big news and notes throughout sport this week. So we wanted to touch on them first. Uh, first up, Brownlow Medal Sunday night. The uh, ceremony was held and Patrick Cripps uh, won a thriller of a uh, Brownlow race with the uh, getting the three votes in the Carlton Collingwood game uh, to secure the medal. Um, now, with Charlie Curnow also winning the Coleman, they've won the two major individual awards. What do Carlton need to do to take the next step? Good question. Um, it probably comes with lift, list depth. Uh, realistically, I think you you got to have uh, that top-end talent, but that bottom five talent has also got to be solid as well. I mean, they were struck with injuries last year, but ultimately, in the end, um, I don't know if they ran out of juice. You could attribute to a number of factors you know the hard schedule towards the end of the year probably didn't do them any favors um it probably made it look a bit more disappointing where if they had that all those hard losses in the middle it would have been the race that oh they almost got there but just got pipped at the end yeah exactly so we saw paddy Cripps win with 29 votes Lockie neal had 28 and uh Tuke miller had 27 um now this was interesting because i I didn't have any problem with Paddy Cripps getting the three votes to finish. I thought he was the best on ground that day. And, I mean, you could argue that no player should get three votes in a losing squad, which I think is, is certainly arguable. But you think about it, Carlton were the better team for nearly the whole day. So, yeah. And I thought Cripps was easily the best player on the ground, carrying them on his back. The only thing was, uh, Tuke Miller in the last round of the year... I thought he should have got at least one vote, maybe two, which probably would have tied it with Cripps. And I thought that would have been interesting. I thought Tuke had a really good year as well. So, nonetheless, Carlton um, get the job done there. I was saying to someone, I put a bet on Cripps at the start of the year, $50 on Paddy Cripps to win oh, the did Brownlow. Um, How much did you pay out? Well, I cashed it out early oh, after. Oh, no. He, well, if you remember, he got injured um, round five. And I thought I was heap smart cashing out because I thought it was... It, it was a bad injury. I thought it was going to be three weeks. He only ended up missing the one week. Um, and then obviously ended up winning the Brownlow. So how much did you get on the cash out? I think it was and 50 bucks. And how much would you have got? Oh, I think it would have been maybe 400. 
500. Could have been way more than that. I'm, honestly, I can't be quite remember the details. Kicking yourself. But either way, I don't really care that much because he's got the job done. But um, yeah. interesting. Cool to see it on the Sunday. Um, I didn't actually mind that rather than the weekday. Not sure what your yeah, thoughts are I there. Yeah, I didn't mind that at all. It allows everyone to sort of have the time to sit down and watch it. Um, yeah, I thought it was a great idea and more than happy for them to do it again. And if they're going to worry about, you know, the school night aspect of it, just put it at 6 o'clock rather than 7.30. Yeah, exactly. Um, on a Sunday. So, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Uh, anyway, the next up on the news and notes, uh, NFL Week 2 featured a lot of comeback wins. We obviously talked about the Dolphins. There was the Jets making an improbable comeback involving a missed PAT from the Browns. Uh, we had the Cardinals coming back against the Raiders. Unfortunately, my lock did go down for that one. Um, which team impressed the most? Was it one of those comeback teams or was it another team on the day? I think it was probably... The Eagles, to be honest. I, I Obviously, Hurts has played well and will continue to ride home Hurts for the rest of the year um, based on our earlier season predictions. But I thought that their run game was solid. Uh, they held the Vikings to seven points. And uh, Slay, I mean, he's towards the end of his career, Darius Slay, but two picks. I thought he shadowed Jefferson really well. I mean, he held, you held Jefferson to... 48 yards, six catches. I mean, that's still a solid day, but that's a floor game for him. For, for Jefferson, that it's not a solid day. That's a bad day for Jefferson. Yeah, so... He, I, we're considering the game he had last week against your Packers. He should not be having six catches, 40-something yards. And I'll quickly mention that. You know how we chatted about, um, let's get... Like, the Packers have got to shadow Justin Jefferson in that situation. Anyway, so all week, Bears fans are murmuring about, you know... Um, or how big is our receiver going to go this week? How big is our number one receiver, Darnell Mooney, going to go ha. this week? Ha. So they put Joe Alexander on him. He shadows uh, Mooney the entire game. Mooney gets one catch for minus four yards. <laughs> Why didn't they do it last week? <laughs> anyway, but... See, um, that's what you need to do. Anyway, so hopefully that's a lesson for the Packers' defense. But um, we also saw an interesting fight this week. Lattimore v. Evans, it's a... It's a uh, consistent thing now every time he plays the Saints. That Saints-Bucks rivalry is starting to really heat up, isn't it? Lattimore chirping at uh, at Brady. Brady throwing his tablet, chucking his toys out of the pram. Um, yeah, I don't get it. I don't get why Evans felt the need. Just on the Brady thing, do you feel like if that was any other quarterback, that'd be blown up at, like, oh, Brady's a competitor. Look how passionate he is. But do you feel like if that was some other quarterbacks... Like, particularly if Aaron Rodgers did that, that would be blown up around the media. Like, could you imagine Honestly, if Rodgers did that? It has been blown up a bit too much for Brady. I disagree. I think that, I think it would be, I think it has been blown up for Brady and I think it would be underplayed a little bit for another quarterback. You depends, reckon, depends on the quarterback. It, I, I, think it'd be I, think, over, I, I think it'd be overplayed for Rodgers. I think it'd be underplayed for, for Rodgers. Maybe. It, it depends on the quarterback and it depends. I think it's because the media is so fickle. The media dictates who are the heroes and villains and because Brady is a is a villain to a lot of people even though he's considered the goat now and there's sort of that level of respect around Brady but he is still considered that villain when he does those things so I think it's been overblown for Brady I think it probably is overblown for Rogers but if you think of a guy who's a media darling like maybe a Joe Burrow does it I think he gets brushed with the competitor yeah um, of course competitor of course. tag did you see um, Bruce Arians? Like he sort of, it's what was weird. He, <laughs> he gave he gave Evans like a little bit of a look. I wonder if he said, "Why like, was he get on the sideline?" I don't know, but I wonder. He Could you imagine like, like 
I know he know he didn't get fired, but can you imagine the guy who held your job before just hanging around and watching what you're doing and <laughs> keeping an eye out for you? Like, how would you feel if you like if you were Todd Bowles and your your old bosses on the sidelines still hanging around watching over you? What what was with that? Like, <laughs> seriously, he's an exec- so weird. <laughs> he's an executive. Like, it's he's a football executive. Like, what? Anyway, um, go so, back to your box, Bruce Arians. But he like looked at Evans like righto mate get out there and he just like smack like don't disrespect our execute order 66 anyway so who cop a week so Packers v uh, Bucks this week that's huge I think I think that significantly impacts the game you never God, know. Godwin's still out isn't he he's not he's not well too he's got a hammy and hammies aren't one week injuries in my opinion. Yeah. Unless they're like really, really minor. And then um, Julio Julio's was out as well this week. I think Is he'll he play. due back? He, I think he'll play. I think he was unlucky to miss then, this week. There's not that many weapons for Brady then. Like, oh, so has it become a Rogers situation where he's got farmers? Uh, at, at oh, mate, he had farmers for most of his career at the Patriots. Like, come on, mate. Edelman, the Hall of Famer. He's, do you reckon Edelman will be a Hall of Famer? Yeah. That raises the question. Oh, yeah. Probably. And three, oh, three, three Randy Super Moss? Bowls, one MVP. Randy Moss? Is he a farmer? Yeah. <laughs> Mate, before oh, that. Here you go. Before that. Here you go. I'm, look, I'm not, I'm not going to go to bat that hard, but Rogers has had just as many receivers as Brady has had. Okay. Righto. Well, you, if you think that... Actually, to be honest, Edelman and... Devante Jordy, Adams, Jordy Nelson. Yeah, but Jordy, like, Nelson, Jordy Nelson's... Randall Colbany's prime. Mate, you're talking late-round draft picks. Julian doesn't Ed- matter where they're drafted. Julian Edelman was a late-round draft pick. Tom Brady himself was a late-round draft pick. I'm just pick. saying... Are you kidding? Julian Edelman reminds me of Jordy Nelson a bit. He does. He um, does. Randy Moss reminds me of Devonta Adams a bit. Um, I think your West Welker is your Randall Cobb. probably reminds me a bit of Randall Cobb. In, went at their peak. But the funny thing is, like, so you proved my point. Yeah, I'm just saying they're they're compar- they're comparative. But I'm just saying, like, it's always been the defense between that those two. But we won't get into that too much. Um, we saw some NRL games this week, um, particularly a bit of a preview as to this week's fixtures. Who have we got playing in the prelims this week, H? Yeah, we've got the Eels versus the Cowboys. The Cowboys are coming off their big win against the Sharks and the Eels are coming off a big win themselves against the, I believe they beat the Raiders. Um, so, going to be an interesting game. Uh, I think the Eels, I don't know, who's the favourites in this one? Is it the Eels or Cowboys? Uh, Cowboys are the favourites. Cowboys yeah. are the favourites because I think Eels could be very strong here and, uh, I, I think I tip the Eels to win. I want to see Eels v Panthers, like the Battle of the West. That'd be a cool grand final. It would be unreal. Do I'm you not, just, do you just move the, the grand final to Banquest then, if they both make it? I think they'd pack out Allianz Stadium easily. So, no, but like, wouldn't it be cool to just have the game out West? It would be cool, yeah. Um, so, the yeah, the Cowboys are the favourite in that one. Um, just because it's in North Queensland... But yeah, I think the Eels could get the job done. Everyone's expecting the Panthers to win. Maybe the Rabbitohs could have an upset victory. Um, winning a grand final from seventh. We've seen it in AFL quite a bit, but yeah, you never know. Um, and then the uh, Penrith Panthers are taking on the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Yeah, as I just mentioned, I'd I'd probably take the Panthers there. Rabbitohs, yeah. I think they're a chance. They've got Trell Mitt. Whatever he's there, he's going to get um, get them as close, uh, as, close as, as possible, so... Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting one. Um, last one on the news this week. Uh, Roger Federer. 
uh, retired. Uh, ending an illustrious career. Is he the greatest of all time? He is, in my opinion. Was it 237 consecutive weeks as world number one? That's he un- went that's through that unreal. period. And you got to go. You got to think like, was that was that? I'm not too familiar with the tennis timeline, but I wonder if that was around the time Nadal was injured with his knee issues, or whether he was just always number one. Yeah. Despite the fight back from Nadal, but I'm not big enough in my tennis to know that. But I do know that anytime Federer and Nadal had a match, uh, that was must-watch viewing. Um, it'd be an absolute classic every time. I think he's a likable character too. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I much prefer him over Djokovic, and <laughs> I love Nadal. But I think that Nadal hasn't quite had the accomplishments as Fe- Federer. Yeah. So I'd still take Federer over Nadal, and then. I'd take... I, f- I feel like Federer is a more polished personality exactly. in the media as well. Exactly. He's, and it, it, that makes him a bit more relatable. Like, I feel like Djokovic, by the end of his career, he'll probably finish statistically the best player of all time. Um, but there's, a, all, there's also enigma around Federer a bit as well. So. Yeah, 100%. Well, that's it for our... Um, for our news and notes, we're going to move into our Penn State introduction. And normally you do the introduction, but since they're my team, is it okay if I take this one today? Yeah, I'm happy to bounce back and forth, mate. Too well, easy. Well, the Penn State Nittany Lions team represents Pennsylvania State University in college football. They compete in the NCAA or the in the Big Ten Conference. Um, they were established in 1887. So you look at a lot of these college teams, especially in the sort of northeast, and they um, they've been around longer than a lot of NFL teams because the college football game was sort of established before the professionals. Um, so yeah, 1887. Uh, two consensus national championships, uh, 13 undefeated seasons, 50 uh, bowl game appearances, um, winning 30 of those. Uh, they're also ranked ninth in all-time total wins. Um, they play their home games at Beaver Stadium, which is located on campus um, in State College or University Park, Pennsylvania. Um, and it's got an official seating capacity of 106,572, which makes it the second largest stadium in the Western Hemisphere behind only Michigan Stadium. Absolutely unreal. And uh, you see the images of the packed house for the whiteout game, uh, for the stripe out game, and it unreal, unbeatable. I'm keen to hear a few stories, particularly about that stadium and, and what you experienced. But before we get into that, I just want to talk about some notable, notable alumni. So six NFL Hall of Famers, and probably people are familiar with the most current or the most recent players, uh, Micah Parsons, Saquon Barkley, Mike Kosecki, Jahan Dotson, Alan Robinson, Miles Sanders, Pat Frymuth, Chris Godwin, and actually the first openly gay NFL player, Carl Nassib. Yeah, it's a great uh, star-studded list of uh, alum in the league at the moment. They uh, they do churn out some very good football talent, and there's a lot of tarant- talent on their current roster, um, which I'm looking forward to seeing in the NFL. All right, H, well, you travelled to Penn State in, was it 2011, did you say? 2011, yeah. There you go. So what was that experience like? When did you go there? How did that sort of all work out? Yeah, so um, it was something sort of unexpected. We, I'd never been to an NFL game, never been to a college game at this point. And 
because uh, we'd never gone at the right times. Our trips always used to happen around the first school holidays in April or sometimes the second school holidays. So football season was so far away. Um, but then mum looked into it and found out that they had the spring games in April. And so we were looking around, looking for all the teams to go to. We eventually settled on because we were doing a more like a northeast sort of trip, doing your New Yorks, your Washingtons, your um, Philadelphias, and we found Penn State. And um, being a traditional power, we thought that it would be a great one to go visit. So we decided to visit Penn State, um, went to their state, uh, so their spring game, and yeah, had an unbelievable time there. Do you remember any notable moments from the game? I'm looking it up here. And it says it was rain-shortened. Was that the one that you went to? It was rain-shortened, yeah. It was a bit disappointing. Um, the the most notable thing, it's a spring game. So, it's it's Penn State versus Penn State. They basically make two teams out of their squads and have them play off against each other. It was still a fairly packed house. Like, there was, there was fans everywhere. It was raining, but there was still a crowd there. Like, a decent crowd had turned up to watch this spring game. And... Um, yeah, very exciting to watch. They still had all the marching band going. They still had all the pageantry of your college football um, all ready to go. It was it. I know it would feel much different going to actual game day, and I'm so excited one day to go back to Penn State and watch a um, watch a proper game. But for my first experience actually watching football live, it's something that is near and dear to my heart. Yeah, and how did you find the college? town culture you know we always talk about the tailgating aspect of the nfl we talk about you know the atmosphere from fans how did the atmosphere sort of compare in that spring game itself or even just the i mean it's a bit hard to talk about the hype surrounding the game but yeah just how, what culture did you sort of take from it I loved the vibe around the town. Like, you know, when you watch those movies and those TV shows about college football, about high school football, about those small towns that are just built for football, um, it was just unreal. It was... Everything was geared towards the football team. Every like every store you went in, they were they had all the gear on the on the shelves. They had... Even, like, you go to Chipotle and they've got a mural for Penn State, like... Everything in that because it's it is a fairly small town. It's just it's tr- a true university town. Like it's built just for the university and and for the people associated with it. Um, but yeah, unreal, unreal that so many people are so passionate about college football. Like you compare it to here and you compare it to say Newcastle University where we both went to um, went to college and I could never imagine that many people being that supportive of the sports teams at at Newcastle Uni. Don't you agree? Yeah, I do. It's it's even interesting, like, I, I don't want to get into this too much because we've actually got a question a bit later about sort of... Oh, do we? We do, which sort of fits into this week's topic. So I think it's a good question to ask this one this week. But I will chat a bit about it. But okay. I think we need to develop our association and appreciation for school sports whether that be college or high school and i'll get into that a little bit more in detail because i know that's the question that's going to be asked later but that said um it's it'd be cool to have that college uh where you can sort of because we always watch football on a monday and we go why don't they just put it on the saturday you want to be able to watch it on the sunday but it's just because of that college and 
in a lot of parts of the states too college football is more important than professional exactly especially down south like you think about it people are saints fans but they're primarily lsu fans yeah it's just weird it's a weird concept like that and i mean you talk about like places like alabama where they've got such a passionate football fan base like everyone in alabama is a football fan so you talk well when are they going to move an nfl team there absolutely never because they've got the crimson tide like they there is no way that an nfl team would survive in alabama because they would have to be perfect to even get a shred of relevancy compared to alabama yeah i i agree um would you recommend going to a spring game or would you you sort of just say that if the spring game's on you'd go to it but you wouldn't plan a trip around a spring game or anything would if, you? if you're doing your trip in april go to it like if you're doing a trip at that time go to it it's not a reason you it's not a reason if, to if go you're, if you're going to plan a trip you plan it for the games of course like but if you are, are going to the u.s in april go see a spring game because it get your fi- if you want your if fix you want your NFL. football fix it's still worth it you still get all the experience you still get all the freebies outside the stadium you still get the college football atmosphere it's definitely worth it like i don't want to undersell it by saying don't plan your trip around it it's definitely worth it it's worth going if you're going in april plan to go out of your way to go to it but if you're not going in april or if you if you've got a choice of time go to a proper game like it's but I would definitely recommend everyone to visit a college team and pick and stick a college team. Because once you've... A a lot of people I talk to in Australia don't have a college team they root for because there's so many options out there and because teams flow so up and down. I would definitely recommend everyone go visit a college over there, pick your team, pick wisely, but pick it and stick it. Because it's so fun to have a college football team to root for, especially when your football team, like when the Dolphins aren't playing well, I'm like, great, I've got Penn State, who I'm just as passionate about. I'll go watch a Penn State. Oh, I can watch the Penn State game this weekend. Yeah, and Penn State this year, we'll touch on that. They're 3 0. Good start. Ranked 14th at the moment. Don't Games don't count until we play Michigan and Ohio State. Yeah, if we can't, happening. If we can't get over them, or Michigan State even have beaten us the past few years, if we can't get over those guys, it doesn't matter what we're ranked right now. I tend to agree. Um, the players on Penn State at the moment, um, is there anyone that sort of sticks out for you? There's one for me, I'm sure you might say it's the same person, but I'm a Nick Singleton fan. Um, yeah just purely I've looked at his stats this year and I'm thinking to myself he's a stud he's played um three games as we as we mentioned he's had 334 yards and four touchdowns at an average of a 11.1 um yards per carry yeah that's pretty crazy so um Penn State have been pumping out running backs as well like so it's yeah they're doing very well for themselves it's sort of weird that he's always gets his 10 carries and then they just sort of take him off. I, I don't know that that's it's probably a little bit of script, but... Yeah, um, I think they're saving him for those big games. They, they're going to need him down the stretch. Um, a couple of... Uh, one of the ones that I really like watching, um, he's a tough player too, is Sean Clifford. I think that he... Yeah, very tough player. You saw him take a ginormous hit um, on the weekend against Auburn, but he had a, he had a really great game. Uh, he's not a guy that's going to make the NFL most likely, but he is a he is a very hard nosed player, and he's still going to get us in the position to win football games. Hopefully, we can uh, we can go far with him. Yeah, I think that's uh, a very good shout. Was there anything that you wanted to add about Penn State 
as a school or just even just generally? Yeah, I think that a lot of people, unfortunately, now talk about the controversy when it comes to Penn State. Um, but it really is a good school to support. They, they've they got a very passionate fan base and uh, they're a team that's always relevant. So, I, I yeah, I loved going to Penn State. I'm very much enjoying being a fan of them, even um, through those years that they weren't um, able to compete in bowl games. But, um, but now it's looking up. We've got... Um, Franklin's there Coach Franklin's our head coach at the moment And he's doing good things A lot of people are saying he needs to go But I think he I think he's still He's he's turned this culture around He's built a very strong culture I think we need to stick it out with him and he, he can get us over the line For the sake of the school They're probably going to need to do something big um, Pretty soon Just to sort of get over that controversial Um yeah, history. I well, guess I, you know I, that's where I think Coach Frank, Franklin has done a good job in rebuilding that culture. We've got the stripe out now. We've got the white out as the big marquee events um, on the calendar to um, to focus on. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, I love Penn State. Um, it, it's actually funny. I I was once in Singapore and I was wearing a Penn State jacket. And I got approached by a couple who was like, oh, are you... Um, and I was 15 at the time, mind you. Mm. Uh, and they're like, oh, are you a Penn State graduate as well? And graduate. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, I'm 15 years old. You've aged me 10 years. But um, no, just a fan from Australia. And um, had an interesting chat there. But yeah, I once got mistook for a Penn State graduate. That's different. I know. you're a, you In might Singapore. Have, I can't remember you being a man child, but you might have been, mate, at 15 <laughs> <laughs> to, get call, to get that called that. On the same trip, I got offered beer. I got offered... Yeah, I must have, must have looked old over there in Singapore. There you go. All right. Well, that probably wraps up our chat of Penn State, an interesting school there. And if let us know if you liked it because we'd love to talk about more colleges. Hopefully, I haven't been to really any college sports, which is probably... A, disappointing for the purposes of our uh college chat but i'm sure we'd we'd get into it at least to figure out some things that we'd probably like to do maybe a chat about their history and and their current roster that sort of thing yeah when we uh when we go to the states together don't know when that'll be but um whenever we go um let's go to some college stuff because it's it's a rabid atmosphere it's fun i was thinking about that sure we could honestly I don't think it would ever happen, but we could take a year off and still not have enough time to spend traveling what sports you, around the world. What do you mean could? We should. We should <laughs> take a year off, please. Um, well, that's it for our Penn State chat. We're going to move now into our AFL Grand Final Preview, and we're going to start with the boys from New South Wales. We're going to start with the Sydney Swans. Cheer indeed. Onwards, hopefully, to victory this weekend. The Sydney Swans survived a nail-biting preliminary final against Collingwood to make it 
to the grand final. What are your what are your initial thoughts um, on the Swans? How they're looking heading into the grand final? Well, it was interesting. I thought they did their best to nearly lose that game <sighs> against Collingwood. Um, they held on for dear life, and we knew Collingwood were going to come. You're just watching that whole game. You're like, they're going to come because. They just do it every time. But fortunately, as we've mentioned, we thought they used all of their lives up in the regular season. And I think they I think they did. And the Swans held on for a one-point victory. Yeah. What are your thoughts on all the, uh, the controversy online regarding some of the decisions the umpires made? I think I've seen a lot of Collingwood fans up in arms about um, the situation. Do you have any thoughts on any of those decisions or just the vibe as a whole from the Collingwood supporters? Not particularly. Um, I don't know whether this is just my hate for Collingwood coming out, but I'll, they'll find a way to whinge about anything. That's um, what I sort of took it as. I feel like there are enough missed calls on both sides to to where if the Swans lost, we probably would have heard a lot of the same stuff. We probably would have has seen clips of the, the one or two mistakes the umpires made. At the end of the day, I think the umpires put away their whistle in the last five minutes and just said, you guys sort it out. And there was a couple of missed free kicks both ways, but that's football, that's finals football. And if Collingwood got a snap kickoff, we're, we're, t- we're talking a different story today. Yeah, I agree. Um, and the AFL's probably happy with this one because the Swans are one of those teams that they seem to draw the highest rating AFL Grand Finals, not for um, watchability, even though we, we've seen that 2005, 2006. We've seen a blockbuster in 2012. Um, for Dogs fans in 2016... Um, and, their, uh, and their boys in green that supported them that Yeah, day. I can't argue with that. <laughs> even as, even uh, unbiased, mate. But... Um, it's sort of weird because, you know, you've got Buddy Franklin, you've got that Michael Jordan sort of, you know, he brings that energy. Yeah. I'm not saying he's the GOAT because I, I don't want to get into that. But um, That's a chat for another day. So they draw the most uh, ad revenue. And you think about Geelong, they're sort of that team that's got that history, um, a huge supporter base for such a small, small-ish town. Um, and they just seem, it's almost a dream scenario for the AFL, but... Because it's it's going to be huge. You're going to get all the New South Wales. You're going to get all of Victoria engrossed um, in football. I think that any time... I think for the Swans specifically, gets that New South Wales market that might not bother watching if the Swans weren't in it, where Victorians will always watch the Grand Final no matter who's playing. Okay, so enough about the game itself, but let's get into the Sydney Swans as a team. Okay. Um, you know, what is... What does the preview look like for them, do you think, H? Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I don't know. Has the decision been made on Sam Reid yet? I'm not too sure. It'd be interesting whether I think it's that's a- going to be key to telling what their game plan is going to be. Um, it's probably got to be Hayden McLean. I you know, know. I, I talk. I heard talk of Joel Amadi as well. I'd play McLean over Amadi. I, w- I, w- I would too. Not because... I think Amadi's going to be a great prospect, but I think McLean, he's been... Even in the VFL finals, he looked pretty polished. So I think Amadi's still a bit too raw, yeah, to um, to put in on the big stage like that. But he is that player that could turn on a head. Like, you saw... Was it the Dogs that he played last year that he absolutely tore him apart in a space of, like, five minutes? Yeah. But on the flip side, he's that player where if he... You could lose him for a quarter at a time, and you can't afford that. They're already the underdogs against Geelong. They can't afford any guys who aren't on the bus. They need every man to be on the bus and um, and producing. And I think, yeah, 
I think you're on the money there. So what's your key to... What's the Swans' key to victory here? They need to survive the early onslaught. I think that Geelong are going to come out hard and fast and they're going to try and throw a few haymakers early. I think that if the, the Swans get down too many points, I know they've been resilient and that's been their their thing all year, especially early in the year. They had those lapses where they'd go down 40 points and somehow pull it back. They're not doing that against Geelong. Keep it close, get it to the fourth quarter and pull out a miracle. I think for the Swans, it comes down to can the young guys continue to handle the heat? They've proved every challenge um, this year, but this is the biggest stage. Um, you guys like James Robottom, Dill yep. Stevens, that sort of, they are Chad in Warner. that. Well, I mean, Chad Warner is one of their best players. Yeah. Like, I, I wouldn't include Warner in that. It. He's still got to prove it on the big stage, though. Yeah, even still, like, I, I wouldn't include him in that. I just mean those guys that are sort of around the outskirts that have performed well all finals. And I yeah, think that okay. if they continue to do that and, you know, you ro- Robottom gets 20-plus touches and Dill Stevens is out in the wing getting plenty of uh, plenty of footy, then you think the Swans are in a good position. But if those guys sort of go missing, um, then you, you could expect a completely different result or a, an expected result in the, Swan, in the Geelong Cats get the victory. So Yeah, for sure. I think for it's sure. going to fall back on those young guys. Um, last one for the Swan side of things. We saw the news come out in a... I think this is what brought up the Michael Jordan comparisons, but the, the press release that was two words, one more. Buddy signed on for one more year with the Swans. What do you think of the news? I would have... Well, I think we were chatting about this a little bit before, um, just because we had to. We, we couldn't wait to the pod, but <laughs> I wanted to keep this until after the finals, after the grand final if I'm Buddy. Yeah, of course. If he loses the grand final, redemption tour. One more redemption tour, I'm going again. If he wins, he's got the opportunity to retire if he needs to. Or he says, I'm going back to back. Let's, Let's run go back. back to back, you know? It's just the... I think it's a story thing. Yeah. But, I, th- I think it's trying to G up the boys pre-grand final because you can imagine I mean Sydney's been buzzing already since Saturday but the vibe is just everything's been turned up now that Buddy said I'm on for one more year let's ride like um, everything's been turned up to 11 now is there almost too much pressure now? On Buddy himself? On both I feel like the vibe in Sydney is it's a must like of course it's a grand final it's a must win but there's, there's so much pressure on the Swans this year. Well, maybe that's taken the pressure pressure off a little bit because they're like, this isn't Buddy's last year with us. Um, at least we know that we've got another chance to run it back. But I think ultimately, when you're in a grand final, that stuff sort of just dwindles away. It's just you just got to be the best team on the day in the end. And Geelong, 15 games in a row. Let's get into Geelong Cats. <laughs> Well, hopefully we're not hearing that song too much this weekend, uh, but we will get into Geelong now. What are your thoughts on the Cats? They had a big win over the Lions. They looked damn near unbeatable 
if I'm being honest, when they uh, when they defeated the Lions on Friday night. Um, thoughts? Oh, what do I say? I, I think they're built very well all over the park. Um, the addition of Jeremy Cameron, I know it's been a few years now, but his combination with Tom Hawkins is ridiculous. The best Yuck. two forwards. Scary. I mean, you could argue with Mackay and Kerno, but I probably still take Hawkins and Cameron. Um, yeah, I, I mean, they've so. got him there. And Dangerfield last week, you just wonder if he played his grand final a week too early because he was ridiculous against he Brisbane. He was unbelievable. He was back to career best form. And, um, yeah, as a, as a Swans fan, even before that game, I was like, oh, if we make the grand final, that's scary. They The Cats look like they're ready to, ready to pounce. And then you look at their defence, and I think that it's... It's ultimately one of the, the best spread defences um, across the competition. You've got Tolls um, in your Sam DeConning who's broken out this year. And then you got, you've obviously got Tom Stewart there as well, who's a very, very solid, play, solid player. It'd be interesting to see who he gets, who gets Buddy, um, how it all works out for matchups. But I think that you never know with, with Geelong. And it's interesting, I'll mention this just because of the story, but maybe... What do you reckon? Gary Rowan? Could he win or lose in the game? You know he could go missing in a big game. Yeah. But he's been playing pretty well recently. I think so. either way that story goes, it's a fascinating one to think about um, because he's lost a lot of grand finals. He has. Fourth time lucky. But um, we'll see if that's the case. So we've got similar to Sam Reid, Max Holmes is in doubt. He, he's clearly a very talented young player. Um, and if he doesn't continue, he's probably replaced by a bit of an older head, maybe a Sam Menangola or a Brennan Parfit or someone who gets into that squad and has got to be pretty happy with themselves to be playing in a grand final. Yeah, for sure. It's got to be 100,000 this weekend. So, Yeah, that's it's going to be an unreal game. Um, well, let's go through a few of our thoughts uh, for certain criteria during the game. First goal kicker, who do you think gets the first one? It's always a midfielder. It's always a midfielder. Funnily enough, like it's just the way it works in the grand final. Somehow a midfielder always kicks the first goal. Now, I couldn't tell you the last goal kickers over the past five years or anything like that. But every time I, like you know, you go in a syndicate with some mates or you chuck a five dollar bet on first goal scorer, you just it's always a midfielder. I just don't know how it seems to always work like that. But well, which midfielder you got? I've got Luke Parker. So I reckon Ooh, the Swans get like the, the first sound of that. goal. Like yep. the sound of that. Um, I'm I'm gonna go another Swan. Um, but I, I similar to you, I think a, it'll be a smaller player. It's not gonna be one of your big forwards. But I think Tom Papley um, picks up a crumb, sneaks in a snap, and we get started with him doing the big Yahoo, um, getting the crowd fired up early. So next one we've got is most goals. Yeah, I think. My heart wants to go a swan, but I think Jeremy Cameron um, would be a great option there. What do you think? Yeah, I tend to agree. I'm going to go with Jeremy Cameron as well. He kicked the first and only GWS goal in their grand final in 2019. They only had three. So I think that you can't compare it to his past experiences on the big stage. I think that he's a he's a player that's got enough talent that if that Geelong team even goes missing, he could still kick three or four. And if they have a big day, I think he could kick five or six. Um, he's, he's sort of got a low floor, high ceiling, but I still think it's going to be a low-scoring game. So maybe it's only three or four that gets the most goals on the day. 
Yeah, yeah. I th- I've got a feeling it's gonna be it's gonna be tight. It's gonna be a tight contest as long as the Swans can keep it tight. I don't think Swans are blowing out the Cats, um, which is why I think Jeremy Cameron's the safest pick to get a lot of goals because if if any team's gonna score a lot of goals, it's gonna be the Cats. Um, next up, uh, Norm Smith medalist. I'm going with Patrick Dangerfield. Yep, okay. And I think this is off form, as we sort of mentioned before. Did he play his grand final last week? But he's a big game player. I think that he can lead that team. You never know. Yeah. What's your pick here, H? Um, I've got Luke Parker. I think that he's um, he's just a force in that midfield. And if the Swans are winning, because it sort of gives away my pick for the winner, and I think it gives away yours a little bit as well. Um, we're not going to pull a Chris Judd here. Um, but I think that if the Swans are to win, it's got to be that hard-nosed midfielder getting possession of the ball and getting the ball out um, quickly, and I think Luke Parker's the one to do it. Yeah, I can agree there. He's he's had experience on the big stage before, so Definitely. maybe your, your Chad Warner and your, your Callum Mills who haven't, haven't had as much experience, m- maybe you just rely on that older head there to to get the boys together and he's in and under he's getting plenty of footy and kicks that first goal like I mentioned so yeah for sure for sure um, next up is an X-Factor player a player who you think has got the capability to turn the tides on a game um, and to turn the game in their favour um, at some point usually you think in your third quarters your premiership quarters who's that player who's going to change the fortunes for their team it's got to be Isaac Heaney um, we saw how he lit up Geelong in round two of this year but mm. I just think that he's that player that can take a big mark. He can kick a myriad of goals very quickly. But he can also get plenty of the footy. Maybe if they needed someone or they need someone a bit flashy, you could even throw him in the midfield. I was about to say, if they throw him in the midfield, you've seen them do that a couple of times this year where they throw Heaney in the midfield when they need that spark. Perhaps Collingwood, not Collingwood, sorry, but perhaps Geelong are up by a few goals in the third quarter. Swans really need to get that momentum shift there. Um, maybe they do look to Isaac Heaney. I think that's a great pick. Who's yours? I think it's the man off the half-back line. I think it's Nick Blakey. I think that some of those cutting runs, if he's if he's on, he's really on, and he could be ruthless and cut apart teams. There's sometimes where he makes those choices where you're like, oh, you've tried to force that, or you've made a bad decision there. But if he's on, look for him in that third quarter to make some tough runs off that half-back line and really set up the Swans in some good positions. The only thing that I worry about him, and maybe even Heaney a little bit too, maybe it is those, those in and under players, because there is murmurs and the forecast says that we're going to get some rain on Saturday for grand final day. So you never know. Maybe it is Wet Parker that's not be good, yeah. Maybe it is Parker that's that X Factor player and that's why he gets the Norm Smith medal. And uh, maybe look he could be in three of our predictions here. Um, if we get a wet day, I'm I'm looking at that hard in an underplay um, maybe like a Parker to, to almost double down there so yeah yeah I think that's a I think that's a good shout uh, well, last one of course who wins and by how much Cats by 16 for me I think they're too strong across the whole park I wouldn't be surprised if the Swans won um, the do you think that the Cats keep that margin throughout or is it a kick away in the last couple of minutes sort of deal I think it works I mean obviously it's going to work both ways but I think the Cats will be out to like a 30-point lead at three-quarter time. The Swans sort of bring it back. Can they come back? No. Or I think the Cats sort of keep it close. Maybe they're down by a goal and just steam over the top of them late. Yeah, okay. 
Um, but based on my prediction, I'm just going to pick the Cats by 16. So close enough game. Yeah, I think the Swans by four. I think that if I'm not going to pick the Cats, of course I'm not. Yeah, pick the I, Cats. Know, I know. But if the Swans are to do it, it's going to be close. It's going to be one of those nail biters. That's been their trend all year, and. How good? How good would it be? Four points after winning 2005 by four points with the uh, the famous Leo Barry U-Star game. Um, Swans by four. Well, that's it for our AFL chat. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know your predictions for the game. We're going to move now to our mailbag. And our first question comes from at Thunderdove, who asks, is Sam Fran's ceiling lower or higher with Jimmy G? This has spun me a bit because you think about Trey Lance... And because he's that dynamic player, he's got that X factor, he's got the run game as well. Does that elevate the Niners' offense, offer them another string to their bow? But I'm going to say it's higher. I think Jimmy G, Jimmy G brings out those pass catches. Um, if you got an issue with rushing, give it to Debo Samuel like you did the whole of last year. Um, we saw Jimmy G get Brandon Ayuk more involved. Admittedly, it was in better conditions, but I feel like he'll continue to take a step up. And we've got George Kittle to come back, who Jimmy G, if he's got an issue, he can check down to his tight end. I just think he's safe. I think they've got a lower yeah. floor, um, but maybe a higher ceiling as well. Like I still think you're dealing with a second-year quarterback at the end of the day. So Yeah, I agree. And the murmurs coming out of Niners camp is that they're... Oh, for, uh, oh, of course, they're unhappy that and they're sad that he's gotten injured, but Jimmy Garoppolo is their guy and their leader. And well, they look like the, geniuses. He's the clubhouse favourite with, with a lot of the 49ers players. Um, so I think that I think that ultimately having Jimmy G paid off huge for them, and I think he's going to be great. Yeah, well, yeah, as I said, they look like geniuses. Like, everyone was questioning... Why would you sign a backup quarterback to that much money? It's paid off easily. Um, and I don't know how to work in the years moving forward. Perhaps another year mentally for Lancer work, just to understand whether it is the plays, just sort of, man, he didn't even know how to slide. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, how are quarterbacks coming to the league not knowing how to slide? You saw Joe Burrow early in his career, like, Quarterbacks aren't learning how to slide anymore, and it's so important when you've got all these running quarterbacks. They need to know how to slide properly. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, next question comes from Peter from Wyong, and it is, what's your favorite way to consume sports media? I'd say podcasts. I think podcasts, Mm. I mean, just because you can do it, listen to it, You've also got visual podcasts as well. You know, a lot of uh, podcasts. Maybe Joe Rogan's and stuff. Yeah, even st- and even just the YouTube podcast for fantasy and you can sort of see some player graphics and stats or you're listening at work or whether you're listening to something that may be just mind-numbing or you're listening yeah. when you're doing anything. You're on a run. You, it's just, it's that easily accessible that I think it's probably got to go to podcasts, but I do, I do love watching videos and be, being able to go back and watch highlights of games, that sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, I'd have to agree. I think podcasts are very, um, and I know, of course, we're doing a podcast right now, so of course we're going to plug the podcast, but I think they're very versatile and you can apply them into any part of your life, really. Um, next question comes from at Tim Daly, a 292, and he asks, uh, if you could change one thing about sports in your area, what would it be? 
So I alluded to this earlier, you and did. it's it's proper school sport. So from a high school level, you look at Victoria, and they've got the AFL systems where all mm. your school kids at lunch or whatever, whenever it is, the whole school's there watching the games. Um, and then that also you elevate that to a college level, um, as a local support for your college teams. I mean, we've only got one. I mean, we've got the Jets as well, who no one really goes to. So we've got the Knights, we've got the Jets. Maybe if you just had the University of Newcastle, whatever it was. Um, what, are, what are they? It's, it's the Seahorses or something? They're the Seahorses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't matter what it is, but I just wish that we had a bit of a better school system in Australia. I think that the problem is we don't have that one sport that we can attach ourselves to, like the like the college system has attached themselves and the high school attaches themselves to football. Um, I think that the problem is we've got... Which, which sport is it? Is it AFL? Is it rugby league? Is it rugby union is big in a lot of schools? It'd is have it, to is be it rugby union. union? I think it'd have to be union, but I think that... I think that union's union a dying had, sport, though. They had the chance of doing that. I, I sort of feel like that would have maybe revived union a bit. I mean, I know at my school at, at Mary the High, union was a massive deal and... Um, we did get people come out to the games. It wasn't like a grandstand full, but it was enough people coming out to watch the games. But there's not enough schools playing union I mean, either. You even listen to stories from people 20 or 30 years ago, and I, I know this touches on primarily a local area for us, but like the Bill Turner Cup, people yeah. would go from high schools and you'd get 5,000 people there. Um, back in the 80s or 90s or whenever it was. Um, now people you're lucky t- to people get talk it. about it and you're lucky to get 100 people from the school and it's parents and that's about it, you know? Like, yeah. it's not that... It's not a thing anymore. And like, you just wonder if that's... I mean, it's probably due to a lot of factors, but look, if I could change one thing, it'd probably be that school sport aspect. What about you? I tend to agree. I think that it would be nice if we had that. Um <sighs> I think it'd be really nice if we had a spot to put a Newcastle AFL team. I think that the sport is very popular now in the area and I think that if we if we had that, it'd be great. So I think that yeah, build a build an AFL stadium and let's pack out these school sports. I one hundred percent agree. And our next question comes from Jake from Newcastle and he asks, Who's the last undefeated NFL team in your opinion? Miami Dolphins. Seventeen and no regular season. 20-0. First ever team to go 20-0. That's hilarious because I'm <laughs> I'm going with the Bills. I can't see any team beating them anytime soon. Obviously, they face your Dolphins. They're going to lose um, this week. This what are you talking about? 2-1. You never know, mate. Maybe it's a chance you get the job done. They've got the Six Ravens. touchdown tour. They've got the Ravens after that. Um, hey, hey, we don't have to play the Bills. They have to play us. <sighs> mate. <laughs> You know Josh Allen's just going to prance all over your team and oh, he's going he's to piss you off doing he, it. So. He tries to be so dang likable and damn it, it's almost working. But anytime he plays the Dolphins, I remember just how much I hate him again. I'll give you a smoky because the Bills have actually got some hard matchups coming up. Uh, the, uh, could be the Chiefs. In the NFC, I see the Eagles losing soon. Honestly, though, if the Dolphins can get past the Bills, their schedule in the middle is very cruisy. I'm not. I'm not out here saying Dolphins are going to go. Well, I am. I, I did say that, but Dolphins low key have an easy schedule. I mean, they've got a third place schedule. 
Yeah, don't get me wrong. I think it's it's a chance. Not. So you're telling no, I don't. me there's a chance. Oh, there's <laughs> a chance, but it's not happening, mate. I think the Bills get the job done. It'd be interesting to see Bills beat Chiefs. Um, I believe it's week six. Um, the Bills play the Chiefs. Imagine if they're both 5-0. and I mean, the Chiefs would have to get through the Bucks, um in order for that to happen. But football gods, maybe 5-0. and Make it happen. You make it happen. You want the Bills to beat the Dolphins Actually, this what, week. what did I say? No. <laughs> no, never mind. Four and one Bills. Um, actually, no. No, keep losing Bills. What am I talking about? I'm losing it. You're off your head, man. Um, bills can lose every game, please. Um, all right, let's get into our lock of the week to finish us off. Uh, last week, the Raiders lost to the Cardinals in heartbreaking fashion, meaning my lock, unfortunately, went down. You locked the Packers to win by 8+. plus. They won by 17, so you're currently leading this uh, season's lock uh, of the week tournament, 3-2. to two. Um, Who's your pick for this week? I'm going the Bengals to beat the Jets 4+. plus. I saw this one, and I thought to myself, this is too good to be true. There is no way this is a, above $1.50 odds. That said... The Jets have been playing decent football. The uh, Bengals uh, 0-2. and two. Their offensive line looks actually worse than last year, believe How? it or not. How? I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. How? I don't know. I don't know. And I think, what was it, Lyle Collins said that basically, Joe, don't worry, Joe, you're not going to get hit. And what did he give up? Like, it was Lol. six plus sacks. It was definitely more than six against Lol. the Cowboys. They've had 14 over the last two weeks. Yeah, that's, that's grim. So... I think they get back on course here. I think the... I can't see the Jets beating the Bengals. Like, maybe, but... Anyway. Stranger things have happened. Um, I've got the Ravens to beat the Patriots. Another case of, that's that's over $1.50. Okay. Um, yeah, I think the Ravens... They play... the well, Lamar Jackson played well enough to win that game. So, if you see a similar performance, he's got a campaign for MVP going right now. And if he wants to continue that, he's going to absolutely murder the Patriots. Yeah, I um I hope so. I'm not a big Patriots fan, so I'd probably rather the Ravens win that one, actually. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, well, that's it for the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, uh, make sure you follow us on all the socials. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Road Trip Sports Pod. You can follow us on YouTube. Road Trip Sports Podcast is where you can find us. Um, if you'd like to inquire with us, if you'd like to um, send us your thoughts, your ideas, your stories, please send them to, through to Road Trip Sports Podcast at gmail.com or you can send us a DM at any of our socials. Um, yeah, looking forward to AFL Grand Final this week. Are you looking forward to going to it? I sure am. I'm keen to report back as well. Probably on the... We'll have to do another Tuesday record. It'll be with you Tuesday night though. So look forward to that. Maybe the Wednesday. We'll see how it all pans out. We'll see how it all goes. But for now, I've been Harrison Crook. Um, I hope your team wins unless they're playing the Dolphins or the Packers. And we will see you next time. See ya.